Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with science advisor Matt Moniz. And uh, we are here to talk with you about the paranormal as we are most Saturday nights. And uh, back after last week's vacation day for me, I took a day off of everything and said, I'm going to a concert. I'm not going to do anything. And I did a lot of things at the concert. <laughs> and that's why I didn't do anything on Sunday either. But uh, it was great hanging out with some friends and going to see the Wu-Tang Clan. Moniz, you've, you've seen a lot of musical acts in your life. Have you ever seen the Wu-Tang Clan? Not live. Okay, well, it's... It was a sure sign of just how old I have gotten when, and and not because it's, you know, a 90s act or anything like that, but Wu-Tang was kind of famous in the 90s for, they were on the tour with Rage Against the Machine in 1996, and everybody that I know was like, oh, be prepared for the show to start late, because Wu-Tang Clan doesn't show up on time, and, you know, I saw them with Rage, and they took forever to come on stage, and it, it's a sign of just how much older we are that... The Wu-Tang Clan went on exactly on time, and the show ended at exactly 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and everything was kind of like, you know, tightly packaged and neatly planned out. And I was like, this is um, this is a little bit, it's not the chaos that I expected. It's a, it was a well-produced, uh, well-executed show, but it was, it was a lot of fun. So I, I recommend seeing them if you ever get the chance. But I, don't ask me anything about the actual show itself. I don't really remember that much. Well, it's kind of funny when counterculture actually loses its counter. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's going to happen. You know, that's happened with the paranormal when you look at it. Yeah. Where what was considered paranormal and what was considered outside of the normal has become normal for a lot of people. The people who were all in on the topic are surrounded by it all the time, so much so that really, like, the things that are weird aren't really weird anymore. So it's... Wow, that is weird. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like you intentionally take the edge off of it by being around it all the time. And I don't how does that affect the way that it happens? We've always talked about how the more you investigate for the paranormal, the more you get a sense of it. Mm. But you've been doing this for a lot longer than I have. Do you find that in the amount of time that you have been looking into this thing, into these things, do you get more activity? Do you get less activity? Do you get more intense activity? Do you get more mundane activity? Well, I mean, you've diversified too, and yeah, looked in, you, I, I was going to say I'm into a lot. If it's un, unusual, you know, I'm into it. I'm you know, ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, you know psychic things what have you if it's unexplained i, I want to know so i'm constantly exposing myself in different uh venues well, please areas. don't expose yourself yeah, in any well, venues i, I realized as soon as i said that that just left things wide open but you know I, I i go out there and i try and experience it so what's weird is i would be heavily like lately i've been doing a lot more ufo stuff but just because I've been doing UFO stuff doesn't mean I've had more UFO activity around me. I've actually had an, a number of what I'll call paranormal experiences relating to other more, uh, not necessarily ghosts, but things related to it happening in my life. And then same thing, you know, I'd go out searching cryptids and, you know, I'm getting 50 dozen reports of UFOs in the area. So... Yeah, I mean, I think you've done a, a good job of of challenging yourself 
in a way, and, and you know, sometimes you just go where the activity and the investigation yeah. Yeah. take you, but you also, you've also challenged yourself too to say, well, I haven't done a lot of this. So here's somebody that I met that invited me along to do these kind of things. I'm going to jump into it and see what happens. So you've always kind of been willing to go outside of one mindset. I think like for a lot of, think about this. We've been doing the show uh, for almost 17 years and there's people who are still out there every weekend as paranormal investigators now that were out there when we started the show. Yeah. So that's 17 years of them going out and doing investigations every weekend looking for existent, uh, proof of the existence of ghosts. Mm-hmm. And I would think that eventually after 17 years, you've, you've proved it to yourself and maybe it loses its edge. And you start to ask yourself what what you can do. I think what what you're doing when you go into this for a long period of time, the the simple little bump in the night that you know everybody when they first start <laughs> when you first start carrying the first you know you know knocking or little you know pitter patter and or even the adjacent type of word a whisper you know audibly and you know ooh, ooh, you know and then you get used to the full body apparitions and you you know yeah i mean everything has to happen for the first time right and then you know where you go with it from there is i guess it's dependent on each person uh, you know it depends on how you process it it depends on right. how it affects you uh one of the one of the challenges that i think also exists too for people who have been doing it for a long time is you 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 almost get into a mindset where you're I don't want to say above it. So you it's almost like when somebody has been become an expert level at something. Well, you become acclimated to it. it but you're not even, so used to it being not part even of your life. just that though. You 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 get to the point where you're high concept in it. So it makes it harder for you to bring it down to the average person. You know, like you can go out and have conversations about chemistry that I will have no idea what you're talking about. You and another chemist are talking to each other. and well, You've I, been there when that's happened. I might recognize a few words, but I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying. And, and I think the same thing can happen with the paranormal where the more you're around it, the more you get into these higher level discussions about it. And then it becomes like somebody comes up to you and says, so what is a ghost? And you can't answer i mean no that's a bad example because there's so yeah. many different answers for that but you know somebody asks you a regular mundane question and you don't really remember how to answer it that way anymore because you've learned that it doesn't have that simple of an answer and look at just look at the way the television shows have evolved over the years how many times did we complain about how every single episode of ghost hunters from 2004 to i don't know 2009 Every time they talked about EVP, they would have a cutaway to Grant mm-hmm. Wilson saying, EVP stands for electronic voice mm-hmm. phenomena. We think that people, that ghosts can imprint their voices on recordings. Like, we don't need that stuff anymore. No, well, it, it's been done to death. So everybody, if if you've been following this stuff, already knows what the terminology is, you know. Oh, it's like watching a baseball game. Oh, he hit a fly ball to center field. You don't have to explain what a fly ball is. Right. You can say RBI without explaining that it right. stands for runs batted in. And yeah. But and also, I think part of it that has changed, too, is because I do think that there are paranormal TV shows and, and, and paranormal media that people fall into that they don't. 
they're not aware of everything going on with it. They might have just turned it on and said, this sounds interesting. I'm going to watch this. Hmm. Or because there's so many people that are getting involved in it uh, that it brings a new audience in. So just for an example, you know, Bridget Marquard from Girls Next Door, she is now involved in the paranormal world. And she brought over that audience of the people who were fans of Girls Next Door. And so these people are coming into the paranormal listening to her podcast and listening to her interview paranormal people and they're dropping paranormal terms that they don't necessarily know what they mean. But I think part of what's changed too is living in the, the internet age and, and, and I know ghost hunters came out in the internet age too, but if you wanted to, if you saw a term on ghost hunters in 2004 that you weren't sure about, you would have to get up off your couch, walk over to your computer, maybe turn it on if you didn't keep it turned on all the time, Log on to the internet, whether it be, you know, maybe you were still using AOL in 2004 <laughs> and you had to sign in. And then you would type in, what is the stone tape theory? Uh, nowadays, you're sitting on the couch, your phone is right next to you. You pick up your phone and you say, all right, what is the stone tape theory? Or you just yell out, hey, Alexa, what is the stone tape theory? And then you get the answer instantaneously. So you don't really need to have all that information presented to you because it is at your fingertips in other ways. Correct. And it's it's also beneficial too for, you know, people like me who have to look up every single little thing in every movie or TV show that they see. Like, wait, what is that? All right, hold on. Pause. Look it up. Oh, okay. All right, I get it. Or, you know, who's that actor? Where have I seen them before? Pause. So that's why I like watching things on Amazon Prime because you can actually pause the screen and it tells you who the actors are that are in the scene that's on the screen mm -hmm. and you can click on it and get all the information. So it, uh, it works out for me that way. I also want to talk to you because we haven't had a chance to catch up, um, for a little while now. Hold on one second. Yes. We both been running around doing all kinds of things. Uh, but there have been an increase lately in UFO sightings Especially in, this, in area. this area. Yeah, and Dartmouth I, it's become a very big hot spot as far as I've had reports. I don't know if you saw the story that I put up a couple of days ago. I think it was last week about the UFO that was spotted in Dartmouth. But it, it had a pretty interesting appearance. And then as it turns out, there were some Starlink tracking websites that said that Starlink would have been in that portion of the sky at that time. I I think that a lot of these sightings are probably Starlink based on some of the, the timing of the reports, but I also think some of them aren't. So mm, I do not recall your article because I haven't really been. I'll show it to you during the news. Okay. Uh, but th the stuff I've been hearing is definitely daylight disc sightings and uh, a couple of other odd shapes and odd colored things. So And, and uh, there has been... You know, what's funny about it is I check out the National UFO Reporting Center website quite often yep. because I have an ongoing list gallery that I put into stories about recent UFO sightings on the South Coast. So I'm constantly going there to see if there's new reports to put in there. And I know a lot of it has to do with how quickly Peter Davenport updates the reports. I was going to say most of them are usually weeks old. But there hasn't really been anything in there since like May of last year. So... I think when he does start to get to, to updating this, you're going to see an influx of reports from this area. And, you know, he's pretty good about trying to look into some of them and, and see if he can figure out what it might have been. But if you've got as many reports as are coming in now, because just UFO 
Well, I don't want to say, off, I don't know if I want to say sightings have exploded in the last year, but certainly people paying attention to it has exploded with all the media coverage they've been getting. Well, the combination between media coverage and over the past couple of years has has related to COVID, believe it or not. A lot more people being home and, mm-hmm. you know, so they're outside doing things when they can and so not rather than being cooped up in a building working, you're outside doing things. More people out observing, the more observations are being made. That's but I, I do think the edge has been taken off of it too. Where oh, yeah. you you probably got people that would never be comfortable talking about it. They, the problem is they just don't know where to report it. Yeah, there isn't enough. I don't think. Um, and I try to spread the word, like report it to the National UFO Reporting Center. Report it to MUFON. Yep. Don't Those pick. Two. Don't pick one or the other because they don't work together. Right. Don't pick one thinking the other's going to report it. Right. The majority of reportings actually go to MUFON. Okay, I would say the lion's share. I'm not privy to all the statistics. I think they've got the better marketing for it. Yes, you they've take, been you know, around longer. Name who do I report? Who do I report a UFO to in Google? MUFON's going to come up first. Yeah. So, but the National UFO Reporting Center actually is a good site, and um, another person that I've known for a long time uh, has been doing this. But he has his site is uh, Don Ecker. You know who he is. Mm-hmm. He's he's been getting a lot of things, and um, but MUFON is probably the first place people should report to. And I would recommend if you are going to report it, find the local chapter of MUFON, report it to them, but also report it to MUFON National because not every local chapter is always active. Right. Uh, but certainly, if you do report to somebody locally, they're they're going to be able to start the process sooner of looking into it. Because if you report it to the national MUFON reporting, they're just going to assign it to the local chapter anyway. So you can kind of yeah. skip that step. But you know, not always do they respond. I mean, uh, I know the Massachusetts chapter was dormant for quite a while, so I don't know if it still is. But yeah, you can basically say, well, there's still people. Yes. But they're not as active as they used to be. And yeah, they're all volunteers, so it all depends on who has time and when. Uh, by the way, if you want to call in at any point, 508-996-0500, maybe you have seen something in the sky in recent weeks. When I was getting some of these reports, so I've gotten a couple different ones, and uh, the one that I wrote up the other week was the only one that I had put, you know, and actually put a story out about, but uh, I had a bunch of other ones that came in where I was like, I'm not totally sure that footage isn't really good enough to write a story uh, because you can't see anything. You can't tell if it's somebody just moving the phone. Like it's, it's people, you have to understand. It's not that I don't believe you when you send me the video. It's just that it's hard to tell when a video is a light in the sky that's moving or a light in the sky that's stationary while you're moving the phone. And it's not your fault. Everybody has trouble holding the phone steady. Uh, not everybody has a gimbal for their cell phone. But, you know, so I can't write a story about all of those because people will just be like, oh, that's just shaky camera footage. But still, when you start to get the reports of it, it starts to add up as there being something going on. Hmm. And I, I don't I don't know. So I know all of the Starlink launches. I know all of the, you know, the different things that are going on with, I know there's been a lot of military activity. Yeah. We, we got warned um, a few weeks ago 
few weeks ago, a few months ago. I forget what it was. A month and a half ago, you're talking the exercise out of the yeah. joint space. And, and I put that out there and I put the story out and I put it on, on my own social media. And still people were like, oh my God, have you seen all these things? And I'm like, yeah, here, here's the story that explains what it is that you're seeing. Like they're just, you know, C-130s. It's okay. It's not, it's not the mothership of, a, of an alien fleet. But I think people don't really pay attention to things about what's going on in the sky until they look up in the sky and see it themselves. Yeah. Another website I I used to like to deal with is Filer's Files. Um, George Filer, who was a very well-known uh, researcher back in the day, and he was an Air Force veteran. Uh, he had a lot of really good sightings that he would post weekly. So that's, uh, I don't think George is with us anymore, but uh, his website was uh, Filer's Files. If people want to check out some really good photos. And I, I just, I got to ask you to project a little bit more because oh, the sorry. microphone's too too soft. Um, but yeah, Filer's Files, yep. as I said, so F-I-L-E-R. Yep. George Filer, Filer's Files. All right, well, uh, we'll have to check that out. We got a call on the line, 508-996-0500, if you want to chime in. By the way, I want to tell you, too, if you are new to the program or if you're just getting back into listening to us because we were off for a while, uh, keep in mind, too, that you also have the option of texting us during the show now. If you want to go to the WBSM app, which is really, if you listen to us outside of the, the WBSM listening area, it's probably best to download the app rather than listen to us on the website because you can take it with you wherever you go. You have it on your phone. If you want to go out, you want to go to the store, you want to go outside and sit by the fire, whatever. So use the WBSM app to listen to the show. And also, when you have the app, you have what's called App Chat. There's a button in the middle for App Chat. That is basically just sending us a text message here in the studio that we will get. And we can either reply to them on air, we can read them on air, or we can even text you back. So uh, the App Chat on the WBSM app is a way to reach out to us if you want to uh, text into the show. And sometimes people are listening at work, and they can't call in because they're going to get in trouble. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Hey, Tim. It's Sam. How are you? Hey, Sam. How's it going? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad to catch you back. I, uh, I Is this the first time back in a while? Uh, we were back two weeks ago, but then we took last week off. Okay. Yeah, because I was, I was kind of tuning in, but I thought that maybe uh, some of them were old. or so I, I haven't really been following that close, but it's good to be good to know you back on the air. Um, so do you know if the space station is was traveling overhead tonight around 7 o'clock? Um, well, I think, wouldn't it, doesn't it come by every day? Doesn't it? I, I don't know. Moniz, how many uh, trips around the Earth does it make each day? Well, it makes a trip around the Earth every 90 minutes. Okay, so. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> you, if you want to, so, I was going to say, if you want to track it, there's a really great app. They have an official ISS app. But if you download it on your phone, you, there's two ways to get it. You can get it for free, and there's some ads that come on the screen, but they're not a big deal. They don't take over the screen. Or you okay. can pay for it, like, one time. I think it's, like, four ninety nine. And the okay. ISS app allows you to track not only where it is, but it also allows you to access the cameras on the ISS and see Ooh. their view, which is awesome because you'll get alerts that say, the sun is rising over Kenya, and the ISS is floating over it. And you go there, and you get to watch the sunrise on the ISS cameras. Oh, wow. It's incredible. Wow, that sounds nice. Yeah, because I, I was uh, in Fairhaven at around 7 o'clock. Uh, it was probably like quarter past 7, and I uh, looked up, and I noticed this white light. But it was traveling at a, you know, a, a good rate of speed, like constant speed, and it was traveling from west, uh, from west to east. And I probably watched it for maybe 
a minute, 45 seconds to a minute, and then it kind of got too far away to see. But it looked like the same brilliance. It wasn't, it, you know, it, normally if a plane's heading toward you, you can see that bright headlight, but th there were no other side lights, no red light, no green light, and it wasn't blinking or anything. It was just a constant light. So I'm assuming that's all it was. I don't think it was anything, you know, unidentified. Would it have appeared in the southern hemisphere, traveling from west to east? It was, uh, well, I'm, I was in the area of 195 in Fairhaven, and it was pretty much, looked like it was directly over me. So straight, okay. up, straight up above that area. So, and it was going from west to east. I noticed it pretty much directly overhead, and I watched it go toward the east. Okay. Like it was heading out toward Wareham or... Of course, it was probably who knows how far away it was. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Well, I mean, it's, a, it's good that you have your eyes in the skies anyway. Yeah, you know, I, I've had strange thing the couple, quite a few years back over um, Fort Phoenix where there was a, um, it was a strange straight edge. I don't know if I've told you about this before, but it was like, um, you know, if you see somebody flying a kite, you see that string that would travel from one spot to the, you know, from where they're standing mm -hmm. up to the kite. Well, this was a like a sharp edge, almost. It looked like a metal, like a metal line in the sky, and it was directly over the parking lot, um, the smaller parking lot. It traveled from. It was like from the the trees near the cannons, and it went um, east, just about over the water, like about to the to where the parking lot ends, and. Um, it was just a strange thing. It, it looked like a kite string, but there was nobody standing, nobody flying a kite. There was nobody on the end of either side of it, and it just kind of stopped. And it was like a shot, like I was looking at a, an edge of a triangle, looking at the the only visible line, like a horizontal line, and it was a solid straight line. And I asked other people about it that were riding a bicycle that went by, and they saw it, and they said, yeah, it looks like a kite string, but it was over the water's edge. It was like probably... 25 to 50 feet off the shore, off the rocks. If you you know if you're in that parking lot and you go to the edge of the street, uh, edge of the uh, parking lot, there's a little grassy area with a couple of benches, mm -hmm. and then it drops right down to the rocks. And then if you stay way to the east side, you can walk down the path and go onto the beach. Um, it was right directly over that area, and nobody knew what it was, but nobody seemed to be fascinated by it but me. <laughs> it was the strangest thing, and I can't to this day figure out what it was. Um, Unfortunately, there was a police officer that drove by, but I didn't want him to think I was crazy, so I didn't stop and ask him to see if he saw it. But <laughs> there were there were a good four or five people that I asked, and they saw it. They witnessed seeing it, and I, I you know, they said, "Oh yeah, it's probably just a kite." And I'm like, "Well, if it's a kite, the kite would be over the water, or the person would be hovering over the water, or, or you know, and the kite would be over the cannons, or the person would be at the cannons, and there's nobody on either end of it, and it just suddenly stopped. It was probably." You know, from where I was standing, it looked to be like 200 feet long. Um, and, and the only thing that it did is it drifted out over the water, and then it drifted back toward the shore. And I was trying to figure out if it was some kind of illusion off the water reflection, but it was such a solid line. It was like, it was like as though you were looking at the thin edge of a metal ruler. And it was just, I tried taking a picture of it, it didn't come out on the camera. Mm. I had a cheap cell phone at the time, it was an old, you know, little cheap flip phone, so... Yeah, so I didn't have the resolution that you needed to, to see it. But, no. I mean, that's the same area. You know, it was nothing like what you saw. It was a completely different type of experience. But that's the same area uh, just on the other side of the of, of the bridge where I saw my first UFO. So, 
I think. What, what was yours like? Uh, when I so I was coming back from an event at the Lizzie Borden house, uh, mm-hmm. driving back to Wareham, and it was yeah. like three o'clock in the morning, and mm-hmm. I had just left. You know, I'm by myself, going down, probably listening to Coast to Coast AM, and mm-hmm. as I'm driving down. Um, 195. 195, the area where you start to go over, you know, you're next to Cogsall Street. And yeah. and I looked out over the water on the left side, so over the river uh, to, on the north end of New Bedford and, and a cushion it. And I'm looking, yeah. and over there I see a light in the sky, and this light is moving very quickly across the sky. And I'm like, well, what the heck is that? It wasn't a flashing light. wasn't a, uh, you know, there was no no colors to it. It was just like a white light that was going across the sky, and it's zipping across. And then it started moving at a quick at a quick rate, stopped, mm-hmm. and hovered for a minute, and then went zip, zip, zoom, and then just took right off at a rate of speed that nothing that we have would have been able huh. to do. So I have no idea what it was. And then you called me immediately. I was like, yeah, I just saw this. And, and I think you... I, I, was, I, I was following behind you. Yeah, right? and I, I think you were just a little bit... Yeah, because yeah, you probably hung out uh, a yeah. little bit longer than I, I did. How long ago was that? Seven years ago? No, more years. than that. It was probably like 2009 or 10. Oh, wow, yeah. So. Yeah, because the thing I'm th- talking about happened a long time ago. And then uh, going back probably a good 15 years, um, I saw a light. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the water tower that's in Fairhaven off Alden Road. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. It's up off. It's up behind Gloria and Company. Um, it's kind of in that area on Alden Road. And... Um, I saw a light one time. I was at the end of the street there, and I saw this light that slowly was shining on the tower, and it kind of like went past the tower as I watched the light go past the tower, almost like it was a, like it would have been a plane shining its light on the tower. But it was, I saw the light physically go beyond the tower, and nothing was behind the light. It was the strangest thing because, you know, somebody would have had to be a hundred feet in the air to to be able to go with a flashlight to this. And then, like I said, I physically saw where the light ended and it went past the tower, but there was nothing beyond behind it, shining it. So it was the weirdest thing. But And I had someone with me at that point and they, they, we both said the same thing. We couldn't figure out how could that possibly be up that high if it was a person shining a flashlight. You would have saw, you know, I mean, you can see if a light's coming from an angle, you can see the, the spotlight part and then you see the, the shadowy part that, you know, fades up. Or down, depending on if you're above, you know, shining up above or shining down below. So, I don't know. It was it was pretty strange. But those are the two things that I've seen. I, and I, I'm always looking up at this guy. I'm, I'm, I'd love to see something that would make me believe or something that's real hard evidence. I'm just amazed that we don't have something that's clearer, you know, at this point in time with all the cameras. and Or do we? And, oh, we you know, do. We, we most certainly you know, we, do. They just don't let us know about it, you know. That's... That, well, that's the thing. I'd like to be able to find out and I, inside secrets. <laughs> and I will say, too, that even though the technology is better, the user using the technology is not better. So, the, you know, the, until people stop freaking out the first time they see it and forgetting to pull out their phone or pulling out their phone and, like, being too shaky as they're trying to film it, you know, it's going to take a while before some of that stuff gets uh, gets worked out. But uh, thanks for the call, Sam. we got some other calls that want to get on, but uh, thank you very much for sharing with us. Okay. Thanks Have a good much. night. Take care. Oops, sorry, didn't mean to hang up on you there. Uh, 508-996-0500, if you want to chime in. Good evening. You are next on Spooky South Coast. Hi, Tim. How are you? Uh, that light is every night up in the sky, every five times a week. I've used my binoculars, and it zigzags all over the place. 
The same, was, the light that, that I saw. That yeah, you, you see that same light. It was light? out earlier tonight, and now it's disappeared. It's at least five to seven days a week. It comes out over the Fairhaven Bridge, because I live across from the water. I live at Melville Towers. I see it every night, and I told my son, "Oh, maybe it's just a satellite they put up." But anyway, I see it all the time, and I did get my binoculars, and it like zigzags up and down, up and down, across, back and forth. I'm saying what it is, but it's every night. It was out earlier today. It was on like 9 o'clock, but now it's gone. Does, does it happen around the same time every night, or is it different Usually times? between 9 and 10 o'clock. It's, hmm. over the, it's over that the, the area of Cogsall Bridge and like where the skipper is. It's above like where, you know, the boats are docked and all. But it's every night. I told my son, he says, yeah, I was going to work one morning at 4.30, and I saw it. I said, well, every night, at least five times a week. He said, well, maybe it's a satellite, so I don't know. But anyway, I did get my binoculars, and it, it really zigzags all over the place. So I don't know what it is. Well, that's, I mean, that sounds like, first of all, it's on the other side of, of 195 from where I was, but I still would be interested in trying to figure out what that is. I, I might, have to, might have to go park myself down there some yeah. night. Every, it's always between 9 and 10 o'clock. Sometimes 10.30 will be at night, but it's every night in the same spot. And then it moves after a while. It'll move all the way. Uh, I face the haven, so it, when I'm looking out my window, it moves like to the right on my right side, and then it goes. So I don't know what it is. But mm. anyway, it's interesting. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing okay. with us. We'll have to check it out. Have a good night. You as well. 508-996-0500 if you want to call in, or you can send in messages on App Chat on the WBSM app. But so that's, I mean, if it's happening all the time, there's there is probably a mundane explanation for it, but what might it be? Without having a uh, good enough video to see and judge, or seeing it myself, I, I I've got no answer, no answer that I can conclusively say. I mean, it's definitely this. I'm out I'm out and about a lot of times, a lot of night. Well, not so much anymore, because now that I'm on early in the mornings, I don't stay out as late at night as I used to, but. Uh, there's enough evenings when I'm leaving here around that time that I could go over there and shoot over and see if I see anything. So, yeah, I mean, you got New Bedford Airport, but is it heading in that right direction to be a you know like a regularly scheduled flight coming in from say Martha's Vineyard or New York as it's circling around? Well, the the good thing is if it is, and and if there is anything that's weird like that, I can always reach out to Scott Service, the airport director. Yeah. He's always great about looking into it, and he, you know, he. He laughs a little bit when I call and I'm like, I think I got something that might be a UFO. And he's, you know, he's usually pretty good about telling me if it, if it's something that they can pinpoint or not. And, but he, he'll never speculate beyond that, but it's, you know, he's always willing to take that phone call. Uh, so if, if we do catch it and figure out what it is, you know, maybe, we, well, if we do catch it and we need to figure out what it is, you know, maybe we, can we can either rule in or rule out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and there is a lot of stuff that does happen in the sky that's inexplicable to the person that's seeing it for the first time. But then, you know, you, you go into it and you try, try to find out what it is and you do find out that there is a normal, rational explanation for it. Don't get, don't get upset when that happens. So if you no, think that's you see actually a, a good thing, right? It means that you were able to get an answer for a mystery. Uh, so if you see a light in the sky, if you take a photo and you look into it and it turns out they're like, Oh, that's Starlink or that's a different satellite or that's this or that's that. Don't so, be upset about it. Right. Because if you see it again, then now you know what it is. And by the way, this is the photo for that story. Um, I don't know how close you can see it, but that's, this is, it was okay. moving 
Uh, I think it was moving north oh, to south. Definitely south a line north. that that is reminiscent of Starlink. Starlink so is, a, is a cluster of satellites that run parallel. I did blow it up, so that's how it looked in the sky over Dartmouth at four thirty in the morning. Was on, it heading? Um, it was Labor Day. Okay. So what they, was its direction of travel? Uh, I believe it was south to north or north to south. Then that may not be Starlink. I have it in the uh, story, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Starlink follows an equatorial uh, around, not north to south. It's not a polar orbit. Let me see. It was uh, at 4.30 in the morning. Okay. I know I put the direction in here. Hold on. He said it was a hell of a lot faster than an airplane would move. And this comes from the, the, the witness who saw it said uh, that he used, to, he used to see jets every day. He used to fly airplanes himself and it moved faster than a plane would. He said that when he went out with his son, the object buzzed right off, moving north to south. So now this was the day after they had launched that Starlink satellite on the night before Labor Day. They launched it at like 10 o'clock at night, Eastern time. And so my assumption was, <coughs> my assumption was that because the launch was completed by midnight, uh, so by midnight on Monday, the launch was completed. All the other components had come back down, and the satellite was in orbit. I thought, gee, it's that's probably not so, you know four hours after the launch was completed, and the satellite was in orbit. I don't know that it would still look like that, because this was this wasn't the chain of satellites like you normally see, where you see like right. light, 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 light. That's not what they launched. So I thought that this was probably not that, but then. People started sending me in the Starlink reports, and it was supposedly floating over the Northeast at that time. But floating over the Northeast at the regular rate of speed of, of a satellite, and what this guy saw doesn't seem to add up. Well, like I said, most of the Starlinks and most of your communication satellites, they travel equatorially. They travel around And at a planet. constant rate of speed. Right, at a constant rate of street speed. Most... Not all, but a, a majority of military satellites, if they're looking at things, are polar orbit going around polarly. Uh, communication, civilian stuff is generally going around equatorially. So I'm, I'm assuming that satellites must have some kind of propulsion system on them if needed. Uh, if needed, but generally most of them are parked in their own orbit. They're in orbit. Like yes. that's what that's the point yeah. of a satellite. Yes. So uh, that's why it seems odd that he sees this thing and, the, and it shoots off in the sky. No, they, they and, are constant rate of speed. They're a constant rate of falling. Average satellite close near Earth orbit are uh, roughly 18,000 miles an hour. So they're just on the edge of, you know, uh, escape velocity of the planet. It's just enough to keep them in orbit in the constant state of falling. So, so that's what propels them around in an orbit. And I've seen other satellites because, you know, usually you see something in the sky, you open up sky map and on your phone, you hold the sky map up and it, and it tells you what's what and what's where. And so you hold it up and it looks like you see a bright light and you're like, oh, that's a satellite, but you don't see them moving at a fast clip. They're, they're moving. At, they're moving. Yeah. But you know, maybe I'd say it's probably equivalent of seeing an airplane move. You know, I don't, I've never seen yeah. a satellite yeah. that I think I've seen move faster than an airplane. To the naked eye. Yeah. But he's saying that this thing was moving faster than an airplane, much faster than an airplane. Well, if he's a pilot, he would be able to judge. So it just seems, it just seems like even though 
it happened at a time when it could be Starlink. All of the signs of the actual experience point to it not being Starlink, which brings up an interesting idea in my mind, is something happening in the sky that is using Starlink or some of these other things, you know, now that we have privatized space, is it using these things as cover? Well, the military does that. I'm assuming that they definitely would. Yeah. They, they, uh, with every, or at least so I was told, I can't verify this, you know, without getting top secret clearance things, but from other people that have, usually when we would send up a satellite or, you know, make a space launch with the, back when the shuttle was going, they would also launch you know, spy satellites from other places like Vandenberg and whatever. So, oh, you saw this. Well, no, we had the space shuttle launch, and you know, they piggyback things. Yeah, it's it's it gives you uh, gives you plausible deniability. I guess exactly. We get some uh, calls lined up here. Let's go back to the phones. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hi, Tim. It's me again. <laughs> I just looked out the window. It's out there, but it's very very high, and I got my binoculars out again, and it's moving like heck, like a worm. It goes. Zigzag, 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 zigzag. Oh. Well, I don't know what it is. It's very, very high. It's been, I've I never seen it this high. Because it's usually like over, you know that little island on the water where there's a house on in the, in the near the Faven Bridge? Yep. Well, it's usually above that. But now it's over to the right, but it's very high. And I got my binoculars out, and it's squiggling just like a worm. Fast, 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 fast. I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, we'll have to drive down that way after the show. Check okay. it out. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Thank you so much. 508-996-0500. You are next on Spooky South Coast. What's shaking, Playboy? Oh, it's Lamar he found us. Oh, what's up, player? <laughs> what's up, player? How's life treating you guys? Doing all right. How about yourself? Last, um, fair, fair to Midland. Last night I was kicking with um, Shaggy. I'm not talking about Scooby and Shaggy, but you know Shaggy, it wasn't me. I was kicking with him last night. Yeah, how's he? How's he doing? Uh, he's he was he was feeling pretty good when I last saw him. Good. <laughs> he's a yeah. he's a Gulf War veteran, you know. Oh well, really? I didn't yeah. know he was. I didn't. I didn't know he was into the uh, to hitting the pins. You know. Oh, he said golf. I just said golf. No, war not veteran. golf. No, okay. Gulf War veteran. <laughs> Chi Chi Rodriguez. <laughs> so, um, you know that. Uh, you know, the, it's the it's what's going on right now t this weekend is the Lash's beautiful musical music fest festival here, and it's 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 been it's this the first time in a like the last two years. I can go to them the last two years, but I've been to them. This will be like seven seven of the years I went to go see them, the the whole festival, and it's really good. But I'm I like tonight. I like to see is like Charlie XDX knew she is. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, she's a looker, and I think she's nice. I talked to her a few times. She seems a very uh, down-to-earth person. That's like somebody you would think that would, would be a real bee that's really a nice person, Joan Collins. I met her back in the late 80s. Or it was, what, 80, 88? Yeah, it was 88. And um, I met her, it was like the week after my birthday, and we sat and talked for hours during that whole week. I was, I was doing, I was doing, uh, I was working as a stand chief up there at the convention center, and I was cooking big ass burgers, and she would buy like four burgers a day, and they would, <laughs> I'd fix them. You think she, where would she put it all? Right, Joan Collins burgers. eating big burgers. 
Oh hell yeah! Oh she 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 put it away. I like it, but I like I like to see women can handle her food and get that grub. On. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so I gotta uh, I, I gotta ask you, Lamo, and since since sure. I know that you you know UFOs are something that you track. You you put videos up on your YouTube channel and things like that. Have you been experiencing any more sightings lately since we've talked Vegas? to you last? Oh hell yeah! Yes, I've got I got a video of one morphing, and you know, and it's it's morphing into another another one. If it's, if you go to my channel. It's like the fourth video on there, and it's like you can see it. It's like coming up, look like it's coming up over the horizon, but it's just all that right there, just straight sky right there. And you see it come up, and all of a sudden it, it gets bright and starts morphing, then another one drops out of it, and it starts doing like that. that and it's not even a 45-second long video. You can watch it when you guys do the commercial break, you know, coming up. That would be good so you guys can have a conversation about it when you come back home. Like, Hell's bells, you know. I try to do my... Uh, I try to make sure everybody gets a good view of stuff like that. And I, oh, have you talked to Michelle lately? Oh, yeah. I talk to her pretty much every day. Did she tell you about my, my extremely great picks on my predictions on the, uh, about the earthquakes in China? I said, it's going to be like seven, something like that. And the earthquake happened. And I said, look over towards, towards over here up on the United States. And, oh, and I said, this, I've picked even in, in Iran uh, and stuff like that. I've, I've been on, on point, on fire. And it's like, you know, I just thought that would be kind of good. You could, I mean, like, for me, it's like when I feel like something quaking, you know, something earth-affecting earth me, I feel different parts of my back where it hurts. Oh, okay. And, you know, and, you know, I've got a lot of back, you know. So it's like, you know, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, you know, after getting dropped on my head, you know, by, by Scott Steiner, you know, back in the old. <laughs> those were the days being power-driven on the second still step. Oy, they, I don't remember anything after that. I remember, like, maybe 30 minutes later, being in the locker room, this oh great match. I had blood leaking down my head like a, like a sieve, a cake to my teeth, and it was like where I was laying out on the ground in the same place where where uh, where um, uh, Bruiser Brody was killed at, where he was laying out, and I was laying right there. So that was kind of scary to me. Yeah. And you know, you know, Dutch Montel, he was sitting there watching. He looked at me. He pointed it out to me. You know, that's where that's where he was sitting at, laying out there. You know, I was like, oh geez. So I kind of you know got a brother feeling all all kooky and stuff. Not like you know like spooking kooky. But you go, know, oh, cooking, that kind of cookie. Uh, so, how, did, you know, how did I not know that you wrestled? I told you, remember, I told you that's how my back I messed up. I told you, oh, heaven forbid, I don't know. And we talked about that a long time ago. I remember, you know, we, I remember we did an entire post show of uh, Midnight in the Desert where we, it was just you and me and Juan talking wrestling. And everybody else sleeping or like, you know, <laughs> or, or using, or using us to put them to sleep, you know, hey, ladies, you know. You no, know. Keith, Keith went and watched a movie while we, while we were talking. Yeah, what was he was he watching? Uh, something, some kind of aardvark kind of film. I don't know. <laughs> aardvark, yeah, I'm tripping. So you know, you know, I've, I've, I've you know, uh, if you go to my channel on on on, on YouTube, uh, Conspiracy in Sin City, you can see it's like this the fourth video. And if you look at the first the first video, I got to just throwing it out there. I've got a coin uh, that has it's a, it's a U.S. coin has God on the front of it three times. It's a U.S. penny. You know, in God we trust. Mm -hmm. And you can see where there's three different places on there where it says God. So I can tell you, we could never have too much God, especially the way in our lives and in our world, especially the way the world's going these days. And so, you know, I think that that's something to give somebody something good to look forward to. And it's like, and I think that's even more fun. So um, uh, one other thing. Oh, a couple other things. Oh, I'll well, I got about um, two minutes before we have to take the break, so. All right, then. So are you going to have... Uh, 
uh, uh, Adam and um, and and what's her face, uh, Adam and uh, Amy, go, doing a show in the time soon? Um. Uh, well, so they're out filming now. So perhaps before the new season airs, when it does air, we'll have them come on. I'd like to talk to Adam, but I tell him something, and I think that it's okay. Everybody can listen, and it's like I think that'll be kind of nice. You know that I also got a job doing a uh, doing a, being an anchor for sports for a, for the Black News Network. You know the CNN N word. So you know I thought that'd be kind of nice. If you guys come watch it. You know, but yeah. I, I, All right. Anyway, so what's what's, what's what's the name of the video? Is it UFO in the Sky Above Las Vegas? Is that the one that you're talking about? That's one of many of them. Like that's what I, a lot of them. Most of them. But that's the are, that's oh, the recent one that you were talking about. No, the, it's like four videos down. It's the fourth video down. If you look, it says I got ones with the first coin. It has that one penny right there. That's the one that told you about the God on it. Yep. And then you go down three. To that, look at that video. That's awfully good. That's not even a. That's like forty second long video too. Like so, you look at that. That's awfully good. And it's really touching. But if you look at that, there's like three of the ones where they have got like a. I don't know. Um, I don't know. If, I don't look at it. Like so, it's been been a while since I looked at it. Since this morning, since what about an hour ago? So um, yeah, if you go there, you'd look at it. You can see it's the fourth video, and you see it's like you see it looks dark in the background. You see like a light. You'll see like something green floating. That's yep. just the the light. That's just the, uh, the reflection aperture. of the light. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's nothing to be worried about. You know. So it was green. I'm like, come on, Green Lantern. And it was hoping something like that, which you know it's not probably Kilowog. All right. So, we'll we'll look at it during the news. I gotta I gotta let you go though because we're we're up against it now. <laughs> nice seeing you guys. And where's 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 uh, Stephanie at? Uh, she's out tonight. She was uh, she was gonna come in, but she had a, a someone pop up at home with she had a snail incident. A snail? Oh, who ate it? <laughs> no, ate nobody it? ate it. But oh. there was there was a snail incident. We'll have her tell her all. We'll have her tell us all about it next time. Well, you know, a lot of people those things. If you step on them, they've got like like flukes, uh, lung flukes to get in, people get into their system by stepping on them. That stuff can kill you. Oh, yeah. You got to be careful, yeah. Are you guys going to be doing the show next week? I, I believe we're going to be live from the USS Salem next week. Why don't you guys try to do do the show on YouTube? Why don't you open it up? Uh, we we don't. The, the cameras aren't hooked up anymore in here. Would you let me come and do it? Hook it up for you guys. <laughs> if you come here, I we'll think... let you. We'll let you come in in studio. I gotta. I gotta hold you there, though, Lamont. Yeah. Sorry, I'm. I'm literally up against it here. I got ten seconds. So uh, we are gonna take a break for the news. When we come back on the other side, we will have more with you, more of your phone calls, and more of your app chat messages on the WBSM app. More spooky South Coast in just a bit.
Welcome back in our number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with science advisor Matt Moniz. And uh, we had a chance during the break to check out Lamone's video. And it's again, it's on YouTube. The YouTube channel is called Constipated in Sin City. And on the channel, he has some shorts, uh, the, you know, the YouTube shorts now, the ones that are under a minute. And you can see the UFO video there. And it's interesting because there were, there were the two craft over in the corner there uh, of the screen. And one is really bright. One kind of comes in. They, they seem to merge for a moment. And then the other one kind of passes on by. Yeah. Intriguing video. No detail, but, you know, we both know that modern planes, you don't want to have in very close proximity to each other. That's a dangerous thing to have happen. So. And, and, you know, depending on where you are, like, in your perspective, you can see, like, maybe one of them is close, and then the other one's kind of passing behind it, but this bright light was one constant color the whole time. It, it seemed to flame up sometimes, yeah. but it didn't have any blinking lights, so it wasn't, I don't think it was a plane. Well, that that's what I'm saying. If it was a plane, having that other object coming up behind it was not exactly what you normally see. I mean, military does do that, you know, certain specific training exercises, refueling exercises and things like that. But look, look at what I was looking at there. That's not normal. I wish the neighbor had turned off their light so yeah, that you well, didn't get the, the, the light thing. artifact there. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, you can check it out again, youtube.com. And the channel name is uh, Constipated in Sin City. And you can find all of the Moen's very entertaining and informative videos there. Uh, speaking of YouTube, uh, maybe not so entertaining or informative. Well, I mean, I guess it's entertaining in some regard because it gives us something to talk about. But our old friend is at it again. The Queen of England passed away last week. Oh, no. And within hours of her passing, Steve Huff had a video up on YouTube oh. of the Queen coming through and speaking to him. Of course he did. It was... So the way that he was saying it happened in the video is he thought he would turn it on just to see what happens and that he wasn't expecting her to come through, but yet she did. Um, this might be a new record for how quickly he's had a celebrity video up after their passing. I think it was like within four hours, which makes me wonder if he didn't already have it ready to go. Yeah. Well. I mean, she was 96 years old, so... But uh, I put out a video on TikTok where I kind of condemned just anybody that follows him overall. And I got a lot of reaction from people that said, you know, how come everybody on his channel, like nobody ever questions him? And the answer is because he doesn't let any negative comments through. He removes any negative comments and only allows the positive ones. That's why when you look, his videos all have like, you know, tens of thousands of likes, but zero dislikes because he, which if you're going to game the system and if you're going to go in there and, you know, delete things and, and make it look like you're wonderful, you got to leave a few negative ones in there just so it looks like you're not doing that. You know, like if you remove all criticism and don't allow any criticism of you at all, that's called narcissism? Well, I mean, there's no doubt. But it also oh, makes it look well, like you have that was no integrity. Sorry. <laughs> <coughs> oh. But I, I, I'm i looking at the comments, and there are people who are like, they're so overwhelmingly 
glowing comments about what a genius he is and how special he is. And I don't think these people, first of all, they're not paranormal people. They're not people that understand how any of this works. But I, I thought also, you know, I, I not to disparage anybody, but I was like, what is the intelligence level of the average Steve Huff believer? And I think I saw a comment that kind of explained it when they were asking him to reach out to other people. Like there was a rapper who died this week. Like, can you please reach out to him? And, you know, can you reach out to uh, Princess Diana and see what she has to say about this all? And, and then somebody puts, can you please reach out to Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street? And then somebody else comments underneath it. So you want him to talk to a fictional character? So I was like, that kind of just shows the oh, intelligence level. Wow. But then again, at the same time, I mean, his videos are most likely fictional anyway. So yeah. why not talk to a fictional character? And if you think about it, you should be able to talk to a fictional character. If you look at the Philip experiment, right? They talked to a fictional character. Or did they? Well, I mean, it could have been something pretending to be the fictional right. character, but... I, I don't know. I don't know why anybody still pays attention to this guy. And, and maybe I should stop putting out videos and posts where I comment on it. Because every time I do, it just gives him attention. But he's a joke. And, yeah, he's still welcome to come on the show anytime and, and debate me on it. But he just takes a bunch of voice clips of Queen Elizabeth and makes it look like she's communicating with him. Well, I only briefly know a little bit about him who he is and his claim to you know infamy fame whatever you know of making these i i don't know all that much about the technology he's using and so it's it's a he calls that, it the wonder that, box okay and it's the same as you know a lot of these different boxes and things that people have created it's a guitar amp that is putting an echo effect on what is coming through the spirit box element of it so he creates this like deep resonance echo, but it also creates such an effect that you can modify an actual, and this, this, this is not me saying this. This is videos that people have put out where they've tried to debunk Huff's videos. He can take a, so one, one of the first videos that got him a lot of um, attention was Robin Williams. Okay. After Robin Williams died, committed suicide, after he passed away. Huff started putting up videos in which Robin Williams was communicating with him and people went through that, tore it apart. And, and Robin Williams daughter, Zelda actually asked Steve Huff to take those videos down and he refused to. So he had them out there. People tore them apart and they found the exact clips from YouTube of Robin Williams saying the words that he repeated that he said to Steve Huff in the video. And he's just taking those clips from the YouTube videos. Taking an audio clip, modulating it through. To the point where you can't recognize it anymore as being like, I remember that interview. And then it seems like he's getting the words that he wants to have come through. And the videos are heavily edited. They're never live. They're always, you know, cinematically produced. He has all these statues and icons and idols that he puts around it for protection and lights candles and has the lights and everything. And to anybody that knows anything about spirit communication, it's it's ridiculous. And he puts the he puts the thing on, and he's got all the lights that come on, you know, voice activated lights and everything. So, to the people that are watching it, they're like, "This is incredible! This is amazing!" They don't know 
how easy it is to build something like that and just have it add these cool effects to a recorded sound. And it, it really is. Hello, you're talking to a sound engineer. No, but I mean, the people who follow him don't know oh. this. Uh, and it really is disgusting because he's profiting off the death of these famous people. I'd like to see his rig, the way he's got it set up. So if he, if it is just something as simple as... Well, if, I mean, you can just buy one if you want. He puts them up on eBay every now and then. for They go for four or $5,000. What is he using, a Marshall? I don't know. I don't... Uh, he, I've seen them go up there and sell for six, $7,000. And people want to buy them because they see these videos and they think they can talk to their dead loved ones through them. And so they buy them. Uh, when I was working on one of the TV shows that I worked on, I won't say which one, but the producers reached out to me and they said, Hey, can you get a hold of a wonder box from Steve Huff? And I said, why? And they said, because the investigators on the show really wanted to use it because they were like, they thought that it was the coolest thing. And like, they're, they're, they're and I was like, yeah, but it's fake. So why would I get you equipment that I know doesn't work? Spend the money on something more reliable. Right. And if you, by the way, if you want the Wonderbox, there's a million people that make the same thing that don't pre-record sound clips and put them into it. There's a million people that can do the same thing of putting echo effects and a cool exterior and cool lighting on a ghost box. That's really what, it's really all you need. And so they ended up getting something more similar to that. I, I So when the producers asked me to get him, I said, well, if you want him to be part of the show, I quit. Because I don't want to be associated with a show. I don't want my name on a show that he's on. And Cooler Heads prevailed and they decided that it wasn't worth, you know. Yeah. It had nothing to do with me. I think they decided it wasn't worth spending the thousands of dollars to get his stuff when they could get the same thing for a couple of hundred bucks. But it, it, it's just to me, it's disgusting because he's profiting off the deaths of these celebrities. These videos all go up like within 24 hours of a celebrity's death because that's when everybody's searching for them on YouTube. And so he's getting all that YouTube ad revenue from the millions of people that go and watch these videos. And I, in a way, I kind of swallowed it after a while because whatever. Like, it's just what he's going to do and people are going to get duped by it and what have you. But it was when we had a situation in the paranormal world. A situation in which a couple of paranormal investigators died. I don't know if you remember the story. If it's the same a husband and wife, a murder suicide. Yes, I it, I knew I knew them. Yeah, and uh, and and I they'd been on this show, Mark and yeah. Debbie Constantino. People in the field knew them, loved them. You know, so they were a little bit controversial in some oh. of their style. Um, you know, because I think a lot of people when you when it comes to spirit communication, you know, some people always have different levels of what they feel are appropriate. Uh, but I think everybody kind of agreed that it was not appropriate for him to post a video in which he claimed to have communication with, I think it was Debbie. I was not aware of this. Yeah, just absolutely disgusting. And also, you're, like he's not part of the paranormal world. His, his page is called Huff Paranormal, but he's not part of the community at whole. First of all, nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. Uh, but uh, there's one group that, like, worshipped him, and he, and he worked with them. 
But like for the most part, like he's not showing up at paranormal conventions. He's not going on some of these paranormal television shows. And if he has the most wonderful equipment in the world, you would think everybody would want him, right? Because I think most people are starting to see through him. But the, I think that moment is what turned off the very few remaining people that were in the paranormal that were interested in his work. I think that's what kind of turned them off. Because if, first of all, if they were going to talk to anybody, how many of their friends and loved ones are involved in paranormal research and ha and have access to ITC materials and are constantly... And, and you know what? How many of them probably went home after that whole thing happened, turned on whatever their devices and tried to talk to them? I'm sure, you know, many people did. But yet, Steve Huff is the one who they hated in, in, in when they were alive. Who they... Apparently, I, I never talked to them about him, but I've heard from other people spoke out against him and his work, but you're the person they're going to reach out to. And then the same thing happened when Lorraine Warren died. Who's the first person Lorraine Warren is going to con contact? You know, not the people that she worked with for years, not her son-in-law, Tony, not her nephew, John Zaffis. No, she's going to reach out to Steve Huff. Rosemary Ellen Guiley? I don't think he... Okay. I don't think she's a big enough YouTube search for her, for him to have been on his radar. <laughs> but as far as paranormal work, it, you know, she's probably one of the bigger ones. Well, I, what I should say is she probably didn't have enough YouTube clips that he could manipulate. Ah, got so, it. Got it. Got it. It just, and, and, and I, I understand, you know, why people who don't know anything about how this all works, why they watch his videos and they're blown away by them because they don't understand how it works. Has he ever demonstrated this live in another place? I don't think I've ever seen him do it live. I've never seen him do a live video. They're all pre-recorded videos that I've seen. Maybe I'm wrong. And I've never seen him, like he doesn't go to any events or conventions or anything. Uh, I'm talking other locations, other claimed to be haunted locations doing um, the device there. I, so I think when he was working with that paranormal group, I think they were at some places where they were doing investigations. Uh, but you know, again, the video is produced, so I don't know. I mean, if you watch these videos, how do you know for sure that the audio is even coming out of the box to begin with? You know, I, it, it, that's certainly, what I'm it certainly if sounds it, like if it, it went but to a, uh, an independent area location that's known to be haunted with other independent, impartial people there to witness and verify, then yeah, I've got no problem with it. But if you're you know, just doing it at home behind closed doors. Well, okay. and also well, from my understanding, I don't think he's ever given his equipment out to any other ITC researchers to test. So people who've been doing this for many, many years, uh, and I there's, there's a ton of them. I'm not going to, I don't want to name anybody because I don't want to make it seem like I'm pushing them against Steve Huff, but there are numerous people who've been involved in this for decades who would gladly take one of his wonder boxes there and say let's see what's going on with this let's let's take it apart and let's prove if it's real or not and as far as i know he was he's never so sent one to one of them well if you ever get a chance to talk to him if he wants to <laughs> he's not going to talk to me i was going to say if you want some man up okay bring the equipment i'll take it apart i'll look at it i'll see i'll test it yeah you know, and it's, it's, have it done by a real scientist it's not going to happen come on it's not going to happen, and he doesn't need it because he's got millions of people that are going to keep clicking on his videos and putting YouTube ad revenue in his pocket, and it, he doesn't have to have the respect of the paranormal community. But all we can do as the people who are involved in the legitimate side of this, all we can do is just... Well, 
uh, speak out against them. You know, uh, I'm not opposed to trying different pieces of equipment. I've tried it all as far as equipment goes. If it's a piece of equipment that is legit, I don't see why there would be any hesitation to have it tested and done by other people. That's how science works. Well, let's also just say, let's just say I found out that, you know, my clock radio next to my bed allows me to talk to ghosts. And I started getting all these voices coming through it of people who were claiming to be ghosts. The first thing that I would do is bring that clock radio to somebody else and say, see what happens when you do this. Mm-hmm. You know, see what happens. I want to make sure they're not just voices in my head. Or something wrong with the radio. And I wouldn't put a video up of it on YouTube and, you know, start claiming that it's, you know, actual spirit communication. And let me give you just some of the... I also feel like if I, you know, promote this too much, I hope people aren't yeah, do deciding we really to go watch his videos. Yeah, do we really time on this? Yeah, give him... Give him uh, let me uh, turn down the volume here. So the, the main video on his, you know, the, the featured video is Jeffrey Dahmer Spirit Box. This will chill you. Uh, a message from Archangel Michael that will change you. A spirit session for Queen Elizabeth. Marilyn Monroe and me, an amazing spirit demonstration. The truth about Josh from Hope Paranormal. Oh, so wait a minute. Did he get into it with his paranormal group? Oh. The truth about Josh from Hope Paranormal and our apps. The description of this video is, the video I did not want to make, but sadly was forced to. I love you all and apologies for this, but I had no choice. So that's the group that was the only group that he was working with. So it sounds like things went bad between them. Um, I wonder why. Yeah, uh, that kind of, uh, not that I had any respect for that group anyway, because of how in they were on this guy. But I think that, if they set separated ties, I've, I've gained a little bit of respect for them. Again, I don't know that much about them, so I don't want to be unfair. But, um, you know, we talked to Olivia Newton-John three weeks ago. Uh, Let's see who else he's talked to. Elvis he's talked to. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, Elvis uh, is going to reach out to this guy as opposed to his own family. Well, Robin Williams. Elvis is Kobe not Bryant, dead. He just went home. Bob Saget. Macho Man Randy Savage. Of course, he gets involved whenever anybody's missing or anybody, you know, any uh, true crime cases. So he's got a, you know, Brian, the Brian Laundry spirit session. Jeez. Jean A. Ramsey. Betty White is in the light. Just, I mean, the ego on somebody to, to, to portray it as. Well, it looks like he went to the Bel Air house. Trying to see if he's gone to any other places. But, I mean, the ego of somebody to be like, all these celebrities wants to reach out to you. I'm wondering, does, you know, John Little have uh, contacted him, you know, from Des Moines, Iowa? You know, who's passed away? Yeah, I, I, I don't somebody see any, that is not necessarily. So famous. sometimes there are ones that are like not necessarily famous people, but it's like, you know, like this proves that suicide is wrong because this person regrets their suicide, like things like that. I don't know. It's just it's, it's disturbing. 
it's more disturbing how many people believe it. But then again, you know, people look at the same, people look at what we do. And I got, uh, during our time off, <coughs> I, I forget how it came about, but somebody who is a paranormal investigator in Rhode Island referred to me as a, what did he call me? I don't know. You I forget exact. I'm trying to think of exactly the way that he put it, but ba basically he tried to say that I was, you know, a con man that was frauding people from money. And uh -huh. you can ask anybody that's come to any events that we've done. Anybody that's done anything with me on a paranormal basis. I am not a con man defrauding anybody. Uh, first of all, there's been plenty of times that we've had events that nothing's really happened, yeah. but also like, I am intentionally not like I'm always in sight of people. In fact, actually the, the, the way that my events have been going lately because of the people that have been coming for the most part, they're seasoned people that I just stay out of their way. Yeah. I'm like, you're not even here for me. You're here for the location. So let me just get out of the way. So I don't know how you can think that I'm frauding, you know, that I'm hoaxing things or defrauding people or some, some way. Okay. First off is, this coming from somebody that's actually really been involved in this stuff or is it's this coming a, from a person who does this to everybody he attacks everybody in the area and you know he's uh, he's he's the beacon of credibility and everybody else is is fake because everybody else has a spotlight and he's never gone anywhere um which whatever like you don't have to like there's a lot of people who are involved in this that have no intentions of of being known for what they do all right now, I've been with you on what I would say 90% of these events where we've you've gone out and mm -hmm. done, other than the other ones that you do out of state and I do out of state. So, as you and I both know, the money that we raise doesn't go to us, it goes to well, the Well, I mean, to be, no, to be fair, we get some money out of it, I but it's uh, not. Okay. I, I, don't, I didn't quit my day job. <laughs> no, but I'm saying. We get our gas covered and maybe food and maybe God at most, you may get a hundred bucks or a little bit. I don't, uh, what do I always tell you about whatever percentage? Yeah. You, know, you always have me kick it back to the people. And then what do we end up using the money that we make off it for? We go out and the, buy the more next, equipment. Yeah. More equipment you know? and things for the next event. Yeah. So it, it's not really, it's not, and we didn't get into it as a, as a money making no, venture. And now when I go out and speak. Yeah, I get money for that, and that goes in my pocket. Absolutely, and it well, should go that's in my a pocket. Speaking event, yeah. because I'm paid for yeah, the yeah. appearance and for my time and for the work that I put right. into those lectures that I put a lot of work into. Right. And also, I am not a paranormal investigator. I am a talk radio host. Right. So, well, you do do paranormal investigations. Um, yeah, but I don't. I don't. I refer to myself more as a paranormal researcher than an investigator. So I'm, yeah. I wouldn't put myself on the same level as people that are out there doing it all the time. However, like not everybody is, is uh, I didn't, I didn't create a media career out of the paranormal. I already had a media career and I right. took yeah. a side turn to the paranormal. Right. So I actually used the platform that I already had to be able to pursue something that was my interest. Right. And in fact, that's exactly how the show came about was I was doing a different yeah, you show already, here. You were already on the air doing stuff before. And I started. used my foot in the door here to be able to do a paranormal Correct. show. So I, I don't know why anybody would feel that way. And everybody keeps telling me like not to be upset about it, that it's just one jerk who does this to everybody. 
But it, it does bother me because this person knows who I am and he knows what I've done over the years. And I know many people like me that do it for those reasons that do it for, you know, yeah, they might, you know, if they're going to travel around, they got to get a little something for it. But for the most part, what am I doing? There's, I'm trying to entertain and inform people. covering expenses. I mean, pure, plain, and simple, it doesn't make a difference if it's ghost hunting or soccer. You know, if you're going up to teach and do a, whatever, whatever the hobby is, being covered for your expenses is normal. I would say that, you know, we live in a society now and with the technology that we have and with social media where it's less about... You know, in, in a lot of cases, it is people getting involved in something for the money. You know, there's a lot of people that have oh, been criticizing. There's, there's plenty of people out there bilking, you know, stuff. Well, there's people who've but, been criticizing uh, social media influencers who are into the paranormal as saying, like, well, they're not real paranormal investigators. Well, it doesn't mean that they're not just because they make a TikTok video or, or a YouTube video or an Instagram video out of it. And just because they get a lot of eyeballs and they get sponsorship opportunities, it doesn't mean that they're wrong for taking those opportunities. Like, not everything in the paranormal has to be altruistic. The idea of helping people and going into their homes, yeah, never charge for that. But if somebody wants you to promote their product or they want you to come and give your time to speak about a topic, get compensated for those things. If you don't do it, you're stupid. Well, I won't, I won't say you're stupid because some people decide not to do it for various different reasons. But I was going to say, I, there's I, nothing, un, there's nothing, uh, 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 sort unscrupulous about it, you know? No, I mean, if you're charging for every little this, that, and the other thing and making, you know, <coughs> exorbitant, you know, demands, yeah, that, that, that's gouging the system. If you're just being compensated for the fact of being there, that is not that, that, you know what I'm saying? I know why there's a bit of watchdogging going on about it, though, because there has been a huge influx lately of people who are self-proclaimed paranormal celebrities. Okay. There's a lot of people that I'm seeing out there that are... You know, putting themselves Define out there. Like, a celebrity in the paranormal. Just people that are, you know, trying to portray themselves as being these well-known people who are involved in all these things. And I'm like, really? I've never heard of you. And, like, I don't, it doesn't matter that I've never heard of you. I don't hold that against you one way or another. I'm still happy to investigate with you. Come along. Let's do it. Still happy to, you know, speak with you. I'm not going to put you as a guest on the show if you don't, if I don't think they have anything to contribute. But, yeah, let's have some conversations. And, and let's just talk about things. But there's so many people now that are just like, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a famous paranormal investigator. Like, really? Really? Because there's not a lot of famous paranormal investigators. And I've all, heard of most all, of them. I don't know who you are. And, and most of the famous ones are now dead. Well, I mean, not... Well, at least for me. I think, I think you get a new... Yeah, but you get a new generation of famous, you yeah, know, every okay. few years. Um, like, I was telling the story of, like, I had no idea... I went to the Michigan Paracon, and which was a great time, and they had the Destination Fear team there. And I knew it was a popular show, but I had no idea just how popular of a show it is. And so now this is a new generation of people that are getting turned on to this topic because they became fans of that show. So it's just, I think that like it, it, yeah. it repopulates I, I itself every few years. And, it, and it's, it's, it seems to be like in a different direction. 
like the Destination Fear crew, they bring a lot of different aspects and, and a lot of different backgrounds and everything to their team. Um, and it's not just about, you know, the, the ghost hunting team that's doing something. And, and some of these other shows that have been popping up now are less about, you know, here's Team A going into haunted place. Like it's become mixtures of things. It's become mixtures of ideas and concepts, which I think is better because it moves moves the topic along. It's what we tried to do, you oh know, almost God, 10 years yeah. ago with Ghost Stalkers that the TV network was like, no, that's not, people aren't ready for that. And I was like, well, they got to be ready sometime. So we should be the first ones to do it and we should make them ready. But it's just, it's become kind of the, the it's, it's, it's just easy to call yourself famous. And I, I don't know why people, I mean, I understand why they do it. They do it for the ego, but I don't know why people buy into it and, and feed that ego. I mean, at the same time, then you have people who are legitimately well-known people who are doing it that are just like, Hey, I just want to be known for the work. Like, I don't, you don't need to put me on a poster or something like I just want to be known for the work that I do. Talk about the case that I did. Talk yeah. about the location that I've gone to. Don't talk about, don't talk about me. I'm not the star here. The star is the work. Yeah. And I've, I've always looked at it like those are the people who have the most interesting things to say. The people who can come on and talk about like, so example, uh, Richard Estep, I'm, I'm sure you've had the chance to come across him and we've had him on the show and. Uh, he is a guy who, he, so people know him. He's, he's a great person. He's a cool guy. He's fun to talk to. He's fun to be around. So he's become kind of a, a person that people know and recognize. But at the same time, like he's the first person that will tell you, well, it's, you know, it's not about me. It's about the content of the books. It's about the Fox hollow case. It's about my book about serial killers. It's about this. It's, and so it's it's just showing that there are people who are like, hey, look at what I'm doing, not at who I am. And we came up with a whole generation of people like that. Like, how many people did we get to have on the show in the early years that we geeked out over? And Brad they, Steiger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like one of the first episodes, Brad and Sherry Steiger and uh, John Zaffis, episode three. Yeah. You know, and it's it's kind of funny because I'm at, I'm at Michigan Paracon hanging out with Zaphis, waiting for the plane to go there, uh, hanging out with him all weekend long, and then sitting next to him on the plane coming back from Sault Ste. Marie. And I just sat and I thought to myself, as I'm sitting there, I said, there was a time before we started the show that I, w I called this guy <laughs> to have him come on, and I was super nervous to call his house I didn't know it was his house, but I just called the number on his website. But I was super nervous to call this because I was like, oh, my God, I'm about to call John Zaffis. And, you know, getting to know him over the years and realizing just what a humble, approachable, happy-to-help-anybody kind of guy that he is. Yeah. Hi, Tim. He's just, he's the best. And I couldn't believe that I was sitting there and, th and thinking to myself, like, did I really think, like, 17 years after I made that first phone call? Because it was just about this time of year in 2005 that I called him to, to have him come on one of the early shows that yeah. was coming up in January. And I was like, wow, like it's kind of mind blowing to think that the person that I was too nervous to call is now my friend, you know, like, and it just shows that the good people are the good people. 
that, you know, kind of don't worry about all of these. And, and I, I need to start listening to my own advice here. Stop worrying about all these people that pop up and are flashing the pan kind of want to be celebrities because they'll peter out. But the good people like John Zaffis, 50 years of investigating the paranormal, he's celebrating his 50th anniversary this year of being a paranormal investigator. You know, those that's that's who to model yourself after. If you're starting out in this, model yourself after that guy. Does he make money? Does he get paid to go to these things and talk? Absolutely. But what does he get paid to talk about? Why does he get paid to talk about it? Because he has 50 years of experience because he's seen things that nobody else has experienced. And people are always like, well, you know, he has he had the door open for him because Ed and Lorraine Warren were his aunt and uncle. How much of the content of what he does has anything to do with his aunt and uncle? Very little. In fact, you know, I've heard, heard him speak many times where they don't even come up at all. Yeah. Because he has, he stood on his own feet for 50 years. And so, yeah, be more like Zaphis. And in fact, I, I might have to, you know, make a t-shirt or something. Uh, you know, be more like Zaphis. Another paranormal investigator that I like very much, and they have it, he has his own show out in Rhode Island, Paul Eno. And he's been around 50-something years. I mean, his work goes back a long way, and he's a very down-to-earth guy. He, he says hi, by the way. Well, hello, Paul. It's episode 2 of Spooky South Coast. We Paul should have him back on. We had him a couple of years ago, but yeah, we should, we should, a couple of years, uh, uh, episode two of, of Spooky South Coast, Paul Eno comes on, starts talking to us about the quantum possibilities and the multiverse and how that could explain ghosts. And I just turned to Matt Costa and I said, well, this is not going to be the show that I thought it was going to be. This is not going to be the, and I'm talking not that episode, I'm talking the okay. whole Spooky South Coast. Like this just took a turn that I wasn't expecting. And he brought that to the table for us in episode two. Yeah. In a one hour interview, like just changed the course of how we looked at things uh, right from the very beginning. And there's, there are people who I would call, like I would say to people, like if you're going to idolize somebody, idolize this person, like you and Maurice, yeah. the work that he's done. And like it's Maurice, I was very lucky to find Maurice when I did. Well, wow. 30 something years ago. Go ask, go ask the common paranormal investigator of today who is Maurice Discharge. They don't know. Yeah. But then, you know, you talk to Jeff Mudgett and he's like, oh my God, you know Maurice? <laughs> yeah, here he is. You're on the phone with him. What? Oh my God. Like it just shows that the people who do the work acknowledge the people that do the work. Yeah. You know, and that's, I, I find there's a lot of backlash from people too when you try to bring out the truth. When you try to bring out who it was that actually were the ones that did the work. Yeah, but going to people like Maurice, he's people that helped a, a lot of the people that we know today. You know, um, uh, he was involved with another friend of ours, um, Fred Matthews, who is actually a member of the Rhine Institute, did a lot of work back in the 60s and early <laughs> 70s, and that's how Maurice got involved with all of this. And I, I got hooked up with Maurice back in the late 80s because I, I was starting to really delve into stuff in like 1985, 86. And I ran into him just shortly thereafter. And if it wasn't for him, I, I, I would, I don't know how I would have gotten to where I'm doing, but he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because I was trying to read all these different things. Like you really got to read these things in these orders to understand how things evolved. 
because I was reading this here and then this after this and that before that. And he's like, this will make more sense if you follow, you know, this person, this person, this book, this book, that book, that book, and follow the cases this way. And, then, and, he, and he was right. It was like, okay, I am seeing how this all is now progressing because otherwise it was a shotgun. And from there, you can't make any sense out of it because it's all over the map. Mm-hmm. Trying to make, you know, he he put me on, on a right pathway to follow how things have become to what they are today. And he worked with all kinds of people back in the day. And there are many other people like him, people that don't, people they don't know their names, but they know that, you know, their work is carried on by these other people whose names they do know. Right. You know, the, the names of the people that you do know can tell you about these people uh, and the influence that they had on them. I mean, we were also pretty fortunate that we started at a time when some of these influential people were still with us. Yeah. Uh, and we were able to talk to them. So I do I do feel bad that there are going to be generations of people that never get to talk to a Bud Hopkins, a Hans Holzer, a Brad Steiger. Yeah. Um, you know, even people like Jim Mars. I mean, how great was it? I mean, yeah. one of the times that you definitely saw me geek out was, yeah, we, so we have Jim we Mars on. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd spoken to Mars before. I've known him before, but it was always, you know, now I'm sitting with him on a radio, not just an email thing back and forth. Well, and I, I became friends with him, which was, yeah. you know, and like he, he would he send was me. a very friendly guy. Yeah, yeah, he would send me emails and things. like, And I was like, oh, my God, I am friends with this guy whose work, you know, changed my life, whose books changed the way that I look at things. Uh, and, you know, and then people who should have gotten a bigger spotlight that never did. People like our Gary Patterson, who to me, when people say to me, who is the favorite guest that you've ever had on Spooky South Coast? And they're expecting me to name, you know, somebody famous from TV or, you know, so they're expecting me to name the most, uh, you know, the biggest get that we ever had. And I always say when, when they say, who's your favorite guest? I'm like, without hesitation, our Gary Patterson, because there's nobody that. I wanted to listen to more as, as a listener of the show. Well, he was definitely entertaining. And, and to have him on the, the many times that we had him on and to be able to be become friendly with him and friendly with his family after his passing, like that makes a difference to me. I care more about that than the fact. So, you know, Whitley Strieber is in the news now because he has the new documentary out, the, the new shock doc out about him. Yeah. And, Somebody reached out to me and they said, hey, when was the last time that you had Whitley Strieber on? I was like, we had him on one time and we had him on to talk about the key. Yeah. And it didn't go well because he didn't want to address anything that was in communion. And but the key was kind of a spiritual sequel to communion. So you needed to talk about communion to set up what happened in the key. And it just it, it was an awkward interview. And it, I felt like it definitely wasn't our best. Definitely wasn't my best. And. So I said, you know, we, we never really had him back on again because that didn't go so well. Uh, but I don't I don't feel the need to have Whitley Strieber on again to tell his story because there have been so many shows that he's appeared on and people know his story. I'd rather share other people that have had similar experiences that you might not know their names. You know, and that to me or makes a, a bigger difference. Well, well yeah. you might not. I, I mean, I like it when you don't know their names at all. Okay, yeah, I, I get where you're You going. know, when you're getting somebody who is like, I've never told anybody this before, um, or you get the chance, like I did, to spend eight hours talking to Jim Wittenberger about one of the most mind-blowing... I, I'd book him on this show, except we would never be able to get the whole story out in two hours. Um, but it's just mind-blowing, the stories that he has. I don't know how much of it is true. 
I don't know how much of it I believe, but damn, I want to hear every single minute of it. And so, you know, those are the stories that I think are what I like to bring. I, I don't I don't like to have an endless parade of paranormal celebrities on the show. Now, people will accuse us of saying, well, you have paranormal celebrities on your show. It's like, well, yeah, but because they've become friends and people that we rely on. You know, we had Jeff Belandron monthly at one yeah. point as a co-host. Uh, somebody said, gee, you guys sure do have Scott Porter on a lot. And I was like, well, there's, we do? there's a reason why we do. It's Stephanie's boyfriend. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, he's a, he comes on the show when he's here in town visiting her and, and yeah, comes well. down here to hang out with us because he's one of my best friends in the world. So he's like a brother to me. So he, yes, he's going to be on the show. So it's just I find it funny that you know you where you get the influences from and and what people expect you to have aren't always the same thing. Well, we're also lucky in the sense that most of the quote unquote paranormal celebrities live less than an hour away <laughs> from our studio. Right, and that's <laughs> oh, we're how, talking ninety percent of them. How do you know all these people? Well, because we knew them before. They were famous. famous. They just yeah. happened to get famous afterwards. Um, or, you know, I mean, it it was strange in the early days when we could go and hang out with the people from TAPS, from, from yeah. Ghost Hunters. But it was legitimately proximity that, that did it. It wasn't like we were anything special. It was just like, oh, here's a radio show that's close to us. Like, yeah. let's go on that show and talk to them. And um, so, you know, that, that kind of worked out to our benefit. And then also, like, well, I remember we're not Hawes before we're nice they people. ever had that show. We're, but, yeah. we're, we're also fortunate that we're not jerks. Yeah. So <laughs> if well, speak for yourself. If we had been typical like radio jerks, then we probably wouldn't have had people wanting to come back or hanging out with us or anything. If we were if we were those people that were like, we've got the star of the new show, Ghost Hunters, coming on today. So Jason Hawes, tell me, uh, everybody knows ghosts are real. So how do you actually do the show? <laughs> like, And I'm sure they've gone through interviews like that. Yeah. I've done it. I've had to go through interviews where I've been promoting things and people say, well, listen, everybody knows ghosts aren't real, so tell us about why you wrote the book if it's not real. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Huh? No. It is real. Let's, let's back it up. You know, but uh, eh, whatever. We've only got a few moments left, so uh, I think we've done enough tonight. We've done enough damage. We disparaged Steve Huff. <laughs> um, we have... Uh, blown ourselves up by talking about how long we've been here and all the famous friends we have. Uh, <laughs> what else What else can we do? We haven't talked about food. Uh, we've had Spooky no... Spooky snack ghost. I did have... So I went to Tavern on Main last night Ooh. Uh, because my friend Jessica was here. You know Jessie? Yep. She was here to go to an event at the Conjuring House. We always meet up at Tavern on Main when she comes down for those events. I had pumpkin-encrusted chicken with pumpkin ravioli. Ooh. Their food there is awesome. Really good. Now, not that we're supposed I, to give commercials on the I air, may or may not have told you this. Uh, one of the guys I work with at, at the lab, he was the cook at Tavern on Main when all of the, the big stuff was happening. When the, He was there in the kitchen the night that TV came flying off and hit the bar. Well, the servers always like to say, like, things aren't as active now as they used to be. And I, I try to tell them it's because you have to bring back the popovers. Uh, if you don't have the popovers, you don't have the ghosts. So that's well. Their popovers were actually quite good. They were amazing, and they had all those yeah. different chutneys yep. and jellies and stuff. And they they don't have that anymore. 
And now you go there, they just put dinner rolls on your table, which are still pretty good, but it's not the same as the yeah. as the popovers and the touring of soup where you could go and help yourself and all that. Yeah, that stuff's gone. Uh, but anyway, that'll do it for tonight's edition of the show. I do believe that next week, if everything works out correctly, we will be taking part in a live broadcast from the USS Salem uh, in Quincy, Massachusetts, as part of the world's largest ghost hunt. Got to finalize everything with Don this week and make sure that we can make it happen. And that'll be a pretty special thing. It'll be the first time Spooky South Coast has been live from a haunted location. We've done a pre-taped before. Uh, so very, very excited about that. And then, of course, we've got a lot of great episodes coming up through the rest of September and into spooky season, all through spooky season, including our upcoming annual Bridgewater Triangle Investigation Show. Still trying to pinpoint a date for that. Uh, but of course, if you want to reach out to us at any point, spooky crew at spooky is the way to do it. You can always get us that way and follow us on social media at spooky SC on Twitter. And of course, spooky South coast on Facebook and the app chat works. You can send those app chat messages anytime during the week. So thank you all for listening to us until next time for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim stay spooktacular.